Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Phillips Levin of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. thing we have dreaded since the start of the season is finally here. I am Philip Slavin, and this is the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Boys and girls, it's the last week of the regular season. For at least three Big 12 teams, this weekend is it. West Virginia, Texas Tech, Kansas, you know, as they say, this is their bowl game. Their season ends this weekend. There's no extra practice There's no fun trip to Orlando or Houston or Atlanta. It's done. So for West Virginia, Kansas, and Texas Tech, you guys enjoy this Saturday no matter what happens because it's going to be a while before you get to do so again. It's a big weekend for TCU. The Horned Frogs want this season to continue. They have to win. Or they will also spend December focusing on basketball. But there's a lot to play for this weekend for a lot of teams. And the the game that I think has the biggest impact is, of course, the game that we are previewing today, Bedlam, featuring new number seven in the latest college football poll rankings, Oklahoma, and number 21, Oklahoma State. This is a big game for the Big 12 with Oregon and Penn State's losses. OU is in a good spot. Not a great spot because they're not going to jump Utah. Even if Utah struggles with five and six Colorado this weekend and Oklahoma blows out Oklahoma State, I'm not sure the Sooners can pass the Utes. I just, that's, that's, that's how it feels. That's, that's the way the playoff committee has kind of laid it out for us. But they need this win. Another win over a ranked team. Granted, Oklahoma State probably won't be ranked after this weekend if they lose to the Sooners. It's a big game. And that's why we're previewing it. Adam Lunt from Tape Doesn't Lie. Keegan Renew from Sooners Wire. 
joining us on the show today to help preview this big, big matchup. And before we get to that, do us a favor, give the show a rating, five stars if you don't mind. Please leave a comment. We want to know what you guys like, what you don't like. Share the show with a friend, retweet it on Twitter, help spread the word about the 1012. If you like it, let others know. We appreciate it. It helps us out. Don't forget to sign up for ESPN Plus. Men's basketball games are underway. And the football season may be coming to an end, but there's still plenty of Big 12 football news all year long. So make sure you have bookmarked or land Grant Gauntlet for all of your Big 12 football news. With all that said, let's get to it. It is Bedlam week. This is the game that has had more impact on the Big 12 title over the past decade than any other. Suck it, Texas. I can say that because I want to. And we may be a Big 12 podcast, but, you know, as an OSU guy, I'm going to just... I think there's one thing that even OU and OSU fans can agree on. Horns down for life. Is that what it is? Yeah, let's do that. Sorry, Eddie. We, we Horns up for peace. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, no, no peace. No, no peace today. Obviously, big, big game. And so I've got two fantastic guests joining the show today. Adam Lunt. The Tape Doesn't Lie podcast here to bring the OSU side of this battle. Adam, welcome back to the show. Hey, Philip, Glad to be back. And Okay, hold on. Keegan, how do I pronounce your last name? Renault. Okay, good. Keegan Renault. Keegan Renault. All right. I just realized I didn't actually. Do you got to keep that in, though. No okay. editing out. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. All right. Keegan Renault, managing editor of Sooners Wire, is joining us for the first time today. Keegan, welcome to the 1012. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. Uh, thank you for having me. Congratulations, kids. Today, we're just going to let you uh, see how the sausage is made behind the podcast. When it, We all sound smart, but occasionally, you know, you can see it in spelling and, and see it on Twitter and then go, wait, I have to say it out loud now? Oh, crap. All right. Well. Yeah, but your, your, last, your last name doesn't, doesn't rhyme with as cool stuff as mine does, though. So. <laughs> Middle school was I, fun I win, for you, wasn't I win it? the last name battle, all right? <laughs> yeah, all right. All right. Fair <laughs> enough, Adam. Okay, so uh, let's let's start here. This is obviously a huge, huge game, and it's one that has become known for points. I, I I think obviously the Big Twelve has has developed the reputation of being an offensive league. Um, we can talk about the fact that people think they don't play defense and it's BS, but you know ESPN whatever. But it is a game where points have have been a plenty, but this year I feel is a little bit different. It feels like a year in the Big 12 overall that's had a bit of a, let's say, defensive uh, renaissance. We're starting to see lower scores. I mean, look, you're you're seeing 10-7 West Virginia-Oklahoma State games in the first half. I was like, oh, cool, Big 10 football. That's fun. This is. Do they enjoy this? Because I don't know that it's exciting. Last few years, 48-47, 62-52, 38-20, 58-23. I won't keep reading those. Let's, let's start with here. OSU. Number 32 in the country in defensive efficiency, number three in the Big 12, OU number 45, and number six. So it it feels like a game where we may actually see some defense played on Saturday. Keegan is our our first-time guest. I'm going to let you go first. Do you expect another just offensive explosion in this one, or do we see something that's closer to a two scores in the 20s kind of game? I expect a a healthy dose of Chubbard and Hurts in this one. And that's going to be the reason it's going to be low scoring. It's going to be physical. Uh, I've been impressed with the physicality, not just with Oklahoma and Oklahoma state, but just the conference in general. I mean, this is a, this is a league that has its 
I guess, known nationally for kind of a this softer league that kind of plays more finesse style. I mean, and if you watch Baylor play football, you watch Oklahoma, even Oklahoma State, you know, defensive line with Antoine and those guys right now. I mean, this is a, be a physical game. And I, I think it's going to be, a, like I said, a lot of Hubbard, a lot of Hurts, and that's going to keep this thing low. And it's going to be a little weird. And I think it's going to be a throwback to what, you know, those early 2000s games where it was more about the defense and the running game and the creativity. And it, it's going to be a fun one on Saturday. I get to be there and see it. Adam, kind of the same question. What, what do you expect to see in this game on Saturday? You know, I think it's it's a it's a two um, two sided question where, you know, it's always the, are you better defensively or are you worse offensively? And I think it's kind of I, it's probably a combination of both um, for both teams. And really, to be honest with you, for the entire Big Twelve, it's kind of that way. I mean, I think the entire league is getting better at defending the spread. In addition to the fact that there's, you know, in my opinion, there's no elite, there's no Baker Mayfield caliber quarterbacks in the big 12 this year there's a there's a lot of really 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 good quarterbacks like Hertz and Brock Purdy and stuff um so I think as a whole like you know if you look at the entire league uh, it's a situation where these games are kind of trending this way like you like you suggested Philip. and I think this game will probably be no different um it's kind of a weird situation where it's almost like both offenses are trending down um, and both defenses, you know, I mean, OU really came out of the gates hot defensively um, and, and, you know, stayed pretty steady throughout the year. OSU certainly trending up defensively, but probably down offensively. So, uh, you know, I see no reason to indicate a lot of points, a lot of a shootout. If, well, like we've seen, you know, last year, really the last two years have been just ridiculous in terms of points. So, um, you know, no team, either team really doesn't have an explosive vertical passing game at the moment. Uh, and, you know, both teams are good at running the football, and both teams are playing good defense. So, uh, you know, I think it's pretty clear to expect a game, in, let's say high 20s, you know, 30s type type caliber game. And, and uh, you know, what Keegan suggested, uh, you know, in terms of physicality, I, you know, I'm totally um, on board with that. That that OU-Baylor game a few weeks ago, I mean, the the helmets just popping. It was crazy to watch the game on, on TV. Um, you know, I think the physical – nature of the league is definitely taking a taking a step up for sure so yeah I, i'll agree with the the physicality comment and and i want to give some credit to i think matt campbell and matt rule kind of brought that back to the big 12 with their their, their the change away from what we had seen in the big 12 both offensively and defensively and kind of focusing more on the run game and and playing a more physical style of defense and a little bit less about speed not that speed's not important not that speed doesn't matter but less focus on speed and more focus on physicality I want to talk about the quarterbacks because they're two very different situations. And, and Adam, I'm going to start with you. Obviously, Drew Brown, former Hawaii quarterback, transferred to Oklahoma State ahead of last season, finally got his first start after waiting a, quite some time, although not for reasons he probably would have hoped. Obviously, Spencer Sanders is out for it. Let's just say this season, I know there's some talk if he could be back for the bowl game, but that'd be really stupid to rush a guy back for a game that, let's be blunt, I love bowl games, but doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But Drew Brown, first game, uh, I thought he looked okay. I've, I've got some comments on the wide receivers, but I don't really want to get into that right now. What was your evaluation of, of Drew Brown, and and what does that tell you maybe to expect from him for the next two games? Well, I, I think it's uh, you know West Virginia came out with a, with an excellent defensive game plan. First of all, um, they've actually been playing pretty good defensive football, even going back to the Baylor game. Um, so. 
which I think they had a dud sprinkled in there with tech, which again, that's just hashtag big 12, right? Uh, in terms of who the hell knows how to pick this conference. But, um, but anyways, I think he is a, a has playmaking ability. So for example, if you go look at the, um, the dump off he had to Hubbard or the, um, the ball he had to Stoner on like third and 12 that got called back for a holding penalty. Um, he has some ability to get out of the pocket and make unscheduled plays. Not near to the ex- extent that Spencer Sanders does, though. I mean, he is an athletic quarterback, but, you know, Spencer Sanders is, di- is a dynamic quarterback, right? So the difference is, you know, are certainly uh, significant in terms of athletic ability. Um, but he is he is athletic enough to keep you honest, I guess is the best way to, 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 to phrase it. He... He's a much more efficient quarterback, though. I mean, uh, I think he's more accurate on short to intermediate balls. Um, and he is going to, you know, not necessarily give you the type of explosion on vertical passing game that uh, Sanders would as well. So it's – it's. I think the biggest thing that I don't like about Drew Brown is he's not going to open up the running lanes for Hubbard that Sanders would. Sanders is a problem in the run game that defenses have to account for with an extra, you know, a plus one in the box uh, sometimes, which has opened up Hubbard for a lot of these long runs we've seen. That is kind of closed now. And we actually saw some of that with, in the West Virginia game where some of the goals weren't there anymore. It's not because of, well, I'm only halfway through the rewatch, but for the most part, the blocking was there. It was because there was a plus one in the box that didn't have to account for Drew Brown that could hone in on Hubbard now. So, you know, I would expect to see a very exotic game plan to account for that. Um, and I think OSU offensive staff really has a challenge for the next week ahead of them to be able to craft a, a really good game plan that suits Drew Brown's skills, I guess, is, is, is where I'm going with that. So Can I, can I make a comment on that? Sure. Is it – you guys see with Mike Gundy over the last maybe three, four years – I've been covering OU since 2017 um, – and something I noticed with them, it's always a week before a big game. They do, I don't know, they covered obviously on Saturday. I don't know if that line would have been as low if Spencer Sanders was playing, but it's almost as if they save a lot because they played Tulsa right before they played Texas this year. Mm-hmm. They came out with a bunch of different new stuff um, against Texas. Uh, Gleason did. And uh, so I, I'm interested to see if that's kind of maybe was the case. Um, heading into heading into Bedlam this weekend, and if so, I'm, I mean, Alex Grinch's defense has been susceptible to when a team's running new new stuff. They running their base scheme hasn't been the best way to have success, and they've made a ton of halftime adjustments. Um, I started to notice some with the quarterback run game that they did Saturday, a ton of slanting the way towards the, the where the running back was located at. But I think that if they do have a, they did save a bunch of stuff, and I think they. I mean, they're going to they're gonna be able to have success, um, especially in the first half until things go off script. I would say there's no question. I mean, this has been happening for years, even going back to Yersich. And I think this is a Gundy thing of, you know, keeping things in, you know, your back pocket for for those critical games. And, you know, I mean, it's kind of a risky play. I mean, you go into halftime down, you know, you're losing. And then all of a sudden you've got a situation where you're not executing your full offensive game plan because you're thinking of the head ahead uh, a week ahead but uh I, you know i i would say that you're you're dead on i mean that absolutely happens um but you know i mean you kind of want to be conservative with because it's like well maybe they're breaking in a quarterback maybe he's not good enough for some of this stuff um you know there's a lot of variables in there that could play against that but i think overall in general 
they definitely keep their their you know their hand close to the vest for those big games at least from historical perspective it's a really good take i like that especially since you know a lot of people were complaining about the gundy conservative in the first half which was pretty obvious um but you know holding holding a bit back again it's ou it's Gun, I, I have no belief ever since, what was it, the 2014 game that Gundy will open the playbook when it comes to Bedlam. Because he got dogged for years for being uber, trying to not lose the game as opposed to going out to win and it, it hurting them. That, that 2013 game, I think, was the, the breaking point in Bedlam of OSU absolutely should have won that game. Bob Stoops came in to win and Gundy came out and coached not to lose and, and they lost. And I, I think he's kind of turned the corner on that when it comes to Bedlam. Uh, Keegan, I do want to talk about Jalen Hurts. Obviously, I, I've seen enough on social media of people who are ready for Spencer Rattler to just go ahead and take the reins. They're they're done with Hurts. They don't they don't see any reason to continue to play him because obviously, you know, he's just a bum out there. Though there has been some obvious issues with turnovers with him last few games. Uh, you know, hey, when when Spencer Sanders was turning the ball over, every OSU fan who couldn't wait for him to go out on the field couldn't wait to see him get off the field. So that's fans on social media, you know, big mad makes you big overreact. But Keegan, what what is going on with Jalen Hurts? Is there a reason for the turnovers? Is it just kind of a part of his game? Like what what do you think is going on with him? Yeah, I I, I mean it's it's so hard to say because you talk to Lincoln Riley and he still thinks there's a lot of progression being made, that he's having a lot of success, he's doing a lot of the right things. And then as Adam knows, you plug on the film yourself and you go, there's, there's, he's not reading DNs. He's not reading safeties. He's not reading play side linebackers. Um, not, and that's not saying it's happening all the time. It's just an inconsistency that comes with it. And I don't know if Lincoln threw the playbook at him and he just got overwhelmed. I, that's a theory I have just because he's kind of, you notice, and uh, as much as I hate to say, I have to credit Ian Boyd on this about Jalen's, <laughs> natural ability <laughs> of his instincts taking over and um, his instincts not being the best. Uh, it, so I, I think that, that may be happening. And if that is happening, um, it, it's, a, it's a sure sign of the reason why he's having those turnovers, especially the errant passes. Because, I mean, there's just – there's times where he's making great pre-snap reads and making throws. There's times he's making reading coverage right and he's making good throws. And then the next quarter comes out and it's like a whole different player. And so I don't know if they're trying to throw too much at it. I don't know if they threw too much at him too quick, and now he's trying to still trying to catch up, or if this is just kind of who Jalen Hurts has always been, and it, that was hidden in Alabama because he had, I mean, just all world athletes around him everywhere. So I, I, I don't, I, I want to say that this is an outlier. I've been saying that. Adam's seen me say that. But I mean, the turnovers have just been absurd and. The fumble, the pick he had, even people saying that CeeDee Lamb slipped on Saturday. Like, even if he did slip, that DB was picking that ball off. I mean, I, we can, you can defend it as much as you want. So, I, I think heading – you know, moving forward with him, it, it, it's more of a continue to take what the defense gives you, um, especially that's what he did against Baylor. And if, if he can do that, then they're going to have success. And if he's not, then there's going to continue to be those long periods and games of droughts uh, when Oklahoma's not scoring. How much is, you know, obviously everything gets compared to Baker and gets compared to Kyler, but both of them, you know, Baker had been in the system for a few years before his his big Heisman winning year. Kyler had been in the system for a year before he became the starter. Jalen came in this year. 
Like he hasn't had a year to sit and learn and and progress to the system. How much of it is he just came in this year? And even if they are throwing a lot out of him, even if a guy who's been playing for a while and been and playing a, it's a different system. It's different coaches. It's different everything. Like, I, how much of it is just that? It's just this is just this is his first year and it's his one year, so he doesn't have the knowledge that the other two guys before him have had. Now I think kind of going back to that a little bit because you a lot of this is. I was looking at was back at the 2015 season when Baker only had nine months to prepare um, for Lincoln Riley's offense. It does help him that Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan were in the backfield. Those those two weren't bad, but no. <laughs> um, you know I so I, I but that year it was a lot of underneath stuff. There was a lot of crossing routes, a lot of screens. Um, so I think with Jalen, man, I, I think this is just who he is, and we didn't know it. That's the kind of the theory I've come back to, but he's so good at times. It, it just doesn't. It, it's inconsistency. I don't. I don't know if there's a true answer for it. If we're ever gonna have a true answer for it, but if he's playing at his best, he's really good. And when he's not, he's really, he's not. He's he's a below average quarterback. And that that flip of being consistent's gonna have to be there. Or it's gonna have to come. You know, if they're gonna make the run that Oklahoma wants to make, that that, that that's got to turn for them. I want to ask you both about, about Chuba. Um, a, I'm going to ask you guys, so I like talking Chuba. Uh, B, he's only going to be, you know, here for one year. Like, we all, he's going, like, come on. I am curious, and, and Keegan, you can, you can disagree with me if you want. I think he's the best back in the Big 12, so I think he's the best back that every team in the Big 12 has had to face or will have to face. I'm curious if, if you have seen something from Alex Grinch's defense that makes you think that OU has a game plan to, I don't want to say stop him, but slow him down. The slow him. I think they're going to have a game plan. And, and when you look at that game plan, what it's going to be for me and Adam can contest to this too. And both of you guys, the thing I keep coming back to when I first thinking about this game is Texas's defensive line having success. And I didn't think Texas defensive line was they're good. They're not great. And West Virginia, obviously having the stills brothers, those two guys, um, they're going to Oklahoma's going to be very aggressive up front. They're going to do a bunch of moves. They're going to do a bunch of stunts, a uh, bunch of slants. And I, I, I don't know if Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's offensive line is going to have the success that I thought they were going to have after that Texas game because I thought they did play pretty well, um, especially Tevin Jenkins at right tackle, I believe. If you guys can correct me, I believe that. Yeah, correct, right tackle. Well, he, he hops back and forth, but right tackle is his natural position, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that's going to be – and the biggest thing Alex Grinch has preached all year – is they're going to run their defense. They're going to – this is who they are. They're not – they don't – they really haven't changed much. They've added a couple different stunts in, but they've really kind of just played the same defense they've played all year. So I don't know if there's going to be specifically anything different, but if it's – I think in the game plan, they're going to be extremely aggressive up front just to at least confuse and uh, maybe get out for that Oklahoma State offensive line. Adam, you mentioned, you know, losing Spencer Sanders does affect the run game. And obviously what West Virginia did is probably – I would assume that OU is going to look at some of that tape and go, okay, well, this, is, this is some things that we can we can try and do. What does OSU need to do to try and reopen some of those lanes for Chuba? I think one, run Drew Brown. I mean, he's not as elusive and dynamic as Spencer Sanders, but he's, he's pretty shifty. Like, I would say that the easiest way to um, 
to to compare him to is he's actually a little bit faster than Baker Mayfield, I would say. Slightly faster. Mayfield's not fast, so to speak, but he was shifty. He could make some plays on the ground, right? Drew Brown's kind of in that same same area. So one, you want to hold hold that backside D end or that scraping linebacker with Drew Brown. So you know, built in, build in four or five, you know, key plays or rushing plays for him. And second of all, you got to stretch the field vertically because, and horizontally, um, you know, as Keegan mentioned, I mean, Grinch is going to do all kinds of crazy up front. We, we know that. And the funny thing is the dork in me, I'm sitting here watching West Virginia and like specifically honing in on when they ran stunts just to figure out how OSU like blocked it. I've actually been doing it for a few weeks now. And they're like, okay at it. Um, there's some situations where up front, you know, they weren't as good as I would have thought that they, they should have been even in the West Virginia game, actually one led to a sack. So in terms of, you know, implementing a, a strategy to, to, you know, get around that with Drew Brown, um, I think one thing you have to do is, is stretch the field horizontally because, one thing with Grinch is, is it's kind of feast or famine, you know, with the stunning, a lot of times there's, there's, there's gap integrity issues with that. When you got guys moving all around, well, sometimes they get out of their lane and all of a sudden there's a huge. Plug on the Kansas State game. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, <clears throat> and Kansas State, good Lord. I mean, they make it so hard on a, on a defensive front like that with, with all of their scheme too. So kind of mimic something like that where, you're trying to get them out of position, kind of use their strength against them. Um, and, you know, pretty much a lot of these teams are trying to do that same thing and haven't been successful at it because it's so active. I mean, these, these slants are wild. Um, some of the – I mean, I remember going back to Washington State tape from Grinch, sitting there watching these guys, and I'm like, holy crap. Like, what are they doing? And they got 250-pound defensive linemen that are, that are being disruptive. So it's a legit problem that you have the scheme for almost in the same light as um, some of the, you know, like a triple option, a defensive version of a triple option, maybe not to that extent, but similar. So um, I think, I think you got to throw everything at it basically is my, my answer. You got to stretch the field vertically because they're going to allocate more people to the box if you don't. Um, and uh, at the same time, stretch it horizontally, wider receiver screens out the, the short passing game, Drew Brown is efficient at that um, as well. So to kind of maintain those holes for Hubbard, because if you don't, if you just run your normal offense, they're just going to tee off on Hubbard and, and you know, those big plays are going to, are going to wash up basically. Uh, well, let me, let me, let me try something here. Um, I want to know, do you guys have a question for either, for either one of yourself? Do you guys have a question for each other? Um, I do. I got a good one. <clears throat> You're drafting a team for you have an expansion big 12 team okay and you take into eligibility into consideration you have a let's say a top 15 offensive coordinator that can mold to a a mobile quarterback or nothing who which quarterback are you drafting in the big 12 to build your team that's there right now yeah so i'm sorry returning quarterback so you can pick you know you can pick any quarterback that'll be on a roster next year like so you didn't draft Jalen Hurts, I guess, is my, yeah, uh, or um, or um, who's or Carter Stanley, in case you wanted to draft him. <laughs> so, <laughs> absolutely, no, I, I it's that's such an interesting question because I, I keep going back to, and you both have followed me now, I think over a year. Um, I got to cover Spencer, I got to cover Spencer Rattler at the end last year. I mean, it, I know that I'm gonna, I'm gonna just give that away. 
because I, I'm, I'm going to go to a different answer because that's so easy. Um, man, I'm a big Charlie Brewer guy. I, I think he's a tough SOB. I think that's a huge quality. I mean, Baker Mayfield is as brash and as annoying as he got at times. I mean, he just was tough. He was going to make those third down throws he needed to make. Um, and Charlie Brewer kind of has that to him a little bit. I think that's why I've taken an affinity to Joe Burrow um, a lot this year. Um, so, yeah, I think, Charlie, you can just do a bunch of different stuff in the in the, in the pass game. I, I think he – because the biggest part – and, you know, I, I told you this the other day, Adam. I, when I go looking at evaluating quarterbacks, it's it, I have to put him in O.E.'s offense. I, it, it, I, it, that, I think that's the only fair thing to do because that's what I've watched over the last two years. And I've seen how it's just how stupid it is to try to game plan for that. So I, I think Charlie can make all the throws. Um, but, you know, Brock Purdy at Iowa State, too. I mean, those two are going to be – this conference in general. I, I said this to Tough question. May. I put you on the spot. Uh, not, I, I went easy. If we're, <laughs> if we're giving straight quarterbacks returning, I'm taking Spencer Rattler eight, eight days a week. I mean, guys, I, Pretty legit. The, the reviews – the reviews out of him this year, even as a true freshman, or uh, they're saying people saying he, you know, he's he's at a better spot now than where Kyler was when Kyler was in Lincoln's system for one year as he was sitting out, um, and um, he's got a bigger arm than Kyler does. He's more Baker than Kyler, um, so I it's gonna be it's that's that's an easy answer. I think it's a cop out, so I'm gonna go ahead and go with Charlie Brewer. What if would both of you guys think I'm an idiot if I said? I would pick Max Duggan as my choice. You can do a bunch of different stuff with him. Yeah, I wouldn't say you're an idiot at all. I am. If you're getting I, I him, to be the non- you get the younger guy. Well, no, you get the younger guy too, and there's something to well, that's that was part looking of it, at where though, he is now. You get him for like three years. At, now, you get a top fifteen OC, right? You don't have to bring. Uh, what's his name with him, right? TCU's offense coordinator. Yeah, Sonny Cummy's not part. Okay, good. All right, then yes, I like I like Doug. I like Doug. <laughs> well, I, I've had that discussion, and I, I I've I wanted to make sure I was like, am I insane? Because I I don't know what I've seen him. Like even going back to the Oklahoma State game, he he threw three interceptions and didn't play well. But there's like things, there's little details about him that make him an incredibly nuanced quarterback, even at this age. Uh, and the fact, I mean, he is fast. I mean that's it's had, stupid. That 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 option player that I can't remember if it was the option or what the fifty yard run was ridiculous uh, on Saturday. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. It was that speed option to the left. I I mean guys, when he took off, I I thought he was gone. So props to Patrick Fields for being able to run him down. But I mean, when he got through the second level, he got through the second level. He's gone. Gone. And Kenneth so. Murray, he he beat Kenneth Murray to an angle, and Kenneth Murray hasn't been beat like that. He's I don't know if it's here. So. Yeah, Max, and I, this conference in general, and I know this is a perfect opportunity for me to say this, we're at a point right now where in the next two years, so by 2021, so we're talking Rattler's th- second year, we're talking um, yeah, poor Ellinger is going to be gone, that train wreck. <laughs> um, Duggan, Duggan at TCU, Sam's at OSU, Purdy, unless he lets people start evaluating him as an NFL guy. Which is and I'm, certainly a possibility for sure. Possibility. Alan Bowman's going to be returning at Tech, and he's a big-time guy. I think he's an NFL guy if he can stay healthy for his sake. So at this conference here, we're looking at a time, and you, this is pre obviously it's my following um, in the Big 12. 
But, I mean, as good as it was in 2005, 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, like those seven, that seven-year span, and even back to 2000, I mean, obviously Kansas State and Iowa State were highly ranked teams. But this conference is heading in that direction. It's because the quarterbacks, but it's because the coaches. I yeah. mean, if they can if, – if they can hang on to Matt Rule and Waco after this year, I don't know if they're going to be able to. Uh, I think Matt Campbell's an Iowa State guy for a while. Um, so I, I, it's going to be this conference is heading into that gold, that last kind of golden age it had when it first started. The parody is going to go through the roof. So it's uh, it's a fun time for sure. And it's kind of weird because like everyone's thinking like offensive numbers are down this year. Maybe that's going to be a trend. And I'm like, I don't know. With all of these, I mean, we're we're looking at eight returning quarterbacks next year, and you know, a lot. Or sophomores and juniors who could come back in 2021 too so i didn't mean for my question by the way to be uh, i know this is a bedlam preview and we're, we're doing like the the big 12 roundup over here so <laughs> uh, I, I, I do want to throw this at you guys and i think this is on topic can the last year in the biggest win oklahoma state had at, at home against texas taylor cornelius was able to make throws in the game downfield is can drew brown do that so I think he can, and he's got the confidence. So going back, going back to August, I went to three, um, three practices in fall camp. And we're talking about, when I think about big-time throws, I think about throws down the field, you know, in layered coverage. So whether it be, you know, man coverage or safety over the top, trying to fit balls into tight windows, he, he can do that. Um, he does have the confidence to do that. My only question is, is will the coaching staff kind of allow him to – just let them wing it, you know, um, or they're going to kind of restrict him because they know that this is his, you know, only his second or third start this year, um, even though literally he's a redshirt senior. <laughs> and, I mean, he has no other games left. So I think he's capable. He doesn't have the arm strength that Spencer Sanders does. I mean, Sanders has an absolute rocket arm. Um, but it doesn't mean much when he's not accurate or making the right reads. Um, Brown's a, a half step, step smarter in terms of – or quicker – um, with his decision making and his arm is is serviceable I guess the way I'd put it um, so he can make those throws um, it's just a question is is can he make the decisions quick enough and can the coaching staff put him in the play in the spot and can he get enough time too with the slanting and all the crazy stuff up front can the O-line be able to, to produce enough time for them to get some of those throws down the field those are the question marks that I have uh, instead of you know his ability to to make the throws in my opinion um, which, by the way, the first touchdown to Tylen Wallace, Taylor Cornelius, I think it's the number one throw I've ever seen from an Oklahoma State quarterback. It's cloud coverage. He drops it in over the linebacker in front of the safety. Thing of beauty. Everyone should go watch it. So thank you for bringing that back up. So Absolutely. <laughs> hey, it's always fun to talk about a win over Texas. Let's just – I think we can all agree. True that. that <laughs> but that – you know, these days it's not that much fun anymore because – you know, it happens so frequently, right? Uh, I mean, when, not when for Baylor's issue, doing it and Iowa State's doing it, you yeah. know, it's, it's like everyone's, oh, everyone's the party. doing it. I mean, it's not cool anymore. It's only cool when it's an exclusive club. All right, you guys have been awesome. Uh, one quick note. Game day is going to Minnesota. Are we all glad that we don't have game day in Stillwater? Because I kind of I kind of am. Um, I think OSU's 0-5 when game day comes to Bedlam, so – Yes. In Stillwater, yes. Um, oh, and six all time yeah. in Bethlehem. <laughs> oh, great. Uh, excuse me. I forgot about that one. Um, I, I've been to game day several times. Um, I don't get excited. I actually watched the Fox um, pre show because Urban Meyer's really good. Um, I, you know, Brady Quinn's pretty good. Like, I'll 
I'll turn it on game day every once in a while. Um, but the, you know, the, the draw to game day for me isn't as big as it was three or four years ago. So yeah, I'm too much of a traditionalist. If you guys follow my baseball takes, you see that. Um, so I, it's I love game day. I mean, the, everything that goes into it, the signs, the I mean, Lee Corso's an idiot. It, he should <laughs> Pat, they they need to replace him with Pat, Pat McAfee. McAfee. Yeah, that's <laughs> what that's what everyone knows. It's coming. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be great. Um, whenever that happens, I probably turn back to the show watches again but yeah urban meyer's doing some cool stuff um i mean texas head coach urban meyer right <laughs> true <laughs> yes not Very if usc so. can't get him first <laughs> you guys again have been awesome i want to I say thank you adam for everybody who wants to check out the work you do covering oklahoma state where can they do so uh, tape doesn't lie is on all the major podcasts you know wherever spotify um soundcloud i uh itunes you can hit us up on twitter at app uh, at tape doesn't lie pod or uh, at Adam Lunt 817 um, to my personal account. Yeah. I don't know any OSU fans that don't listen to your podcast, but in case there are some who don't, like, unless you just don't listen to podcasts, if you want to be an old fart, that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> uh, do it. Keegan, where can everybody check out the work that you do covering the Oklahoma Sooners? Yeah. You, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Keegan Renault. It's K E G A N R E N E A U. Um, you'll still put two E's. That's all right. But Sooners Wire, and it's Sooners Wire, uh, powered by USA Today. You can just search Sooners Wire; it'll come up. So, um, doing a bunch of fun stuff. It's our first year, so we're uh, we're excited about what, where we where we're at. Um, but we're going to be doing a lot of more bigger things um, here to come. I'll say this: let me set my uh, my Big Twelve unbiased aside and say, as an OSU guy, you are a fun follow. I mean, just I think that's about the best compliment I can give somebody who, who covers. Oklahoma. I appreciate that. I I, I I like to pander to everybody. You know? <laughs> That's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to wear an OU shirt to everything. That's how it works, right? You're just supposed yeah. to wear it. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, no, it's, I've been having fun, man. You guys, all those who people now follow me and the Texas people, well, one specifically. Uh, <laughs> it's been great. Uh, I've had a lot of fun with that this year. I can tell you that. The, the boxing matches between Keegan and Ian Boyd are always fun. So I, I watch, <laughs> I enjoy watching for the sidelines quite regularly. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. They are, they are, it's, yeah, just pull out a bucket of popcorn, pop up the footrest and, and enjoy the show. You guys are awesome. We're, uh, we're going to, we're going to slow down on the uh, takes though. I can tell you that after uh, <laughs> this last one. <laughs> uh, enjoy the game this Saturday. I know I will until it starts and then the nerves will kick in and my stomach will not allow me to consume anything but alcohol for three hours um and hopefully i won't you know die from from liver cancer after the, after the game is over. that'd be unfortunate yeah don't do that so yeah i'll try not to <laughs> hey guys appreciate it yeah th- right. thanks phil Hey guys, a couple of things before we go. Just a reminder, make sure you're subscribed to the 1012 podcast so you don't miss a single episode during the football season. Two, rate and review the show. Five stars, please. It helps guests get the word out about the show to other people. Plus, we just like to know what you like and don't like. Just if you're going to give us one star, let us know why. We appreciate it. Don't forget, if you want to be part of our first mailbag episode this month, shoot us your question. You can DM us 
on Twitter at 1012 Podcast, T E N, the number 12, the word podcast, or you can shoot it to us in an email. That's 1012 Podcast, T E N, number 12, word podcast at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.